Hello everyone, welcome to the Arse Holics Podcast. It's been a couple of weeks, we did our last episode just before the World Cup, a little special World Cup preview episode and I've taken the opportunity to recharge, just enjoy the World Cup a little bit. I've uh, I've got two of my my good my good solid arseholic brothers here with me, Mize and Nero, making you know his one appearance a year. <laughs> He's here as well. We're all very lucky. Nero, how's it going? Yeah, good mate, good mate. Uh, and I can finally uh, focus back on Arsenal after the last month. So uh, yeah, looking forward to this. Good. I mean, we might to be honest. Let's just throw the agenda away to you know for a second. T- tell us about your year. How's how's life been? And you know what 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 have, what have you been up to since people last heard from you? <laughs> <laughs> I've actually, I think I've actually been to more Arsenal away games this year than home games. So that's uh, that's yeah. that's a positive thing or a negative thing. But um, no, it's been good. Just uh, yeah, enjoying the season. Um, shame the break came when it did, but um, obviously a bit of a distraction of the World Cup and. Um, yeah, that's sort of looking forward to the second half of the season now. Just, you know, get back on it. Yeah, man. And um, Mice, you know, you, you you probably, I think, I'd probably say overall the biggest England fan out of the Arsaholics unit. And obviously it was a you know, disappointing, um, you know, I think we're all England fans, but, you know, disappointing for England to um, to go out the other day. I mean, aside from that, mate, have you, have you been enjoying the World Cup? Yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been good. I mean, I'd, one of those people that, you know, I can, I just try to consume as much football as I can when it's on TV um, or, 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 or yeah, when it's on TV or whenever I can, basically. So when a World Cup comes around, um, especially the first two weeks when it's like four games a day or whatever it was, um, I was loving it. I was loving it. So yeah, no, it's been a good World Cup. Um, been a few like shocks and surprises, a um, few big teams going out early doors. Um, yeah, unfortunate with England, but I think being, you know, in all honesty, I was kind of over it the next day, uh, day after that, like it wasn't, it's not the same feeling as a, as a painful Arsenal defeat, which does stay with you until we play again. This one I was over pr- quite quickly. And I think the fact that it was France, like it was, a, it was frustrating that what happened at the end and came missing the penalty and kind of to think what, what could have been, but you know, you can kind of, um, you can kind of make, you can, you can make peace with it because it was France and look, they're in the final now and, um, mm-hmm good chance of winning it so yeah um but yeah no i've, I've loved it mate. i've loved it um just like a, a festival of football right so yeah it's been good yeah with that england game you know um and nero you and i we exchanged messages on the whole arsenal over england sort of thing i guess you know in, in that vein i'm always i think like we all are really really eager for arsenal players to do really well and I think the really th- the thing that really bothered me in that England game um, afterwards was it felt like to me it was it was Saka's sort of coming of age England performance. Um, it, you know, it felt like on the biggest stage possible against the world champions, he was just so elite. I really wanted him to be on the winning side because I think if he was, I think if England had gone on to win that game, people would have been really appreciating you know what he did that game not just England fans but around the world I think he probably elevate would have elevated him that little bit more unfortunately history tends to um well not history it's more that you know when whoever wins the game tends to take the the uh the appreciation and the plaudits etc and Nero I mean how did you feel about in that context you know Saka he had a really good game that day didn't he yeah um no I completely understand where you're coming from in terms of you know if he had Leading to glory, then he would have been a hero for most people. Um, but I do feel like, if anything, despite the negativity of you know, uh, of us you know, getting knocked out, I think 
the one player that did sort of come through, apart from obviously Jude, sort of early in the tournament, the I felt like Saka's performance sort of led to his sort of stock rising quite a lot. Um, you know, people are even saying, you know, why bring on Sterling for Saka, for example, and you know we wouldn't have ever sort of hoped for that, you know, a few years ago. Um, and yeah, so I think if anything, it's a good thing for Saka from a Arsenal fan perspective. Uh, again, being on the cautious side, it's like you know now everyone's going to be after him. You know, like I said, his stock's risen. He's going to be sought after now from most of Europe. Um, and you know, mm. being a sort of a negative spin is more. I wish we had you know sorted this contract situation out before the World Cup. Um, so, but do you reckon his then, agent's gonna? Do you reckon his agent's gonna try and pump up the number a little bit? Of course, that's what he's uh, paid to do, right? So, uh, <laughs> um, I think yeah, from a from that perspective, yeah. Um, but I think he's had yeah, he's had a sort of great World Cup. Uh, he should get a lot of confidence for that from that. Um, we'll see how he, you know, comes back. In, I think from all the World Cup players, how they will sort of come back into it after, you know, disappointing exit. Um, yeah, we will have to see, you know, if he's going to play on his mind for a bit before he sort of comes into it straight away or if he can sort of, mm. you know, if anything, I think what happened to him two years ago was probably, or it was worse and he seemed to sort of bounce back from yeah. you know, that negativity then. So you'd hope that, you know, that would have, sort of made him stronger in the mind as well. I built a bit more resilience in him. So you sort of hope if anything, overall it's a sort of good experience for him. I think I think the most impressive thing impressive thing, sorry, with Saka is you can see it now over the last couple of years, like Nero just touched on, right? What happened at the Euros last year? Um that must have been like you can't really begin to imagine kind of the 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 effect that would have had on him the reaction from the entire country and the guy the boy just seems i say the boy that you know the, the you know he as a man as a player as a person just seems to sort of take all of it not so much in his stride but i feel like he's just got the right people around him clearly very grounded clearly um you know the right sort of it feels like he's just got that that mental strength to deal with all of these things. And, you know, when you think about now, he's now played in a World Cup. He was an integral part of the team and the team's success. You know, he scored goals, he created, you know, he was probably the most, yeah, he probably was, I'd say, the most dangerous player against against France. Obviously, he won the penalty, the first penalty for us. Um, you know, and, and he's almost made himself undroppable for England on that right-hand side as well as Arsenal now. And at 21, that's that's pretty impressive. Um, so I think that's like the most. That's one of the most impre- impressive things for me about Saka. Not just how good he has become and how much he's. You know, we all saw the qualities when he broke into the team, but he's he's improved and is delivering in terms of output, and is just a very very exciting player to watch. But he's now doing it at the you know on you know, the height, the biggest stage, you know, the World Cup. So um, yeah, unfortunate for him. I, it would have been nice to have seen him you know how would he have done in a semi-final how would he have done potentially in a final you know um but at the same time i guess we're probably all glad that he'll be back a week or two earlier than um certain other players so mm. yeah it's, it's quite interesting can, sorry he, go on okay no i'll say it's quite interesting as well after the semi-final obviously he was getting all the plaudits but after the uh sort of the group stage there was still you know a lot of talk about when Rashford was in form and if he would start ahead of Saka so in a way, as my said, like even during the tournament, I don't, I didn't feel like the, the the public felt that his spot was assured. We had a guaranteed starting spot. Um, 
because there were talks about, you know, having Foden and Rashford or even Sterling before he had to sort of go back home. Um, so I hope that this is now sort of sh- showed everyone that, you know, Saka is there to sort of stay. And let's not forget, he was last last season's uh, England's player of the year, which I think a lot of people forget as well. So he's not a one-off thing. He's consistently performing at the sort of biggest stage. It's a very good point that, you know, him being England player of the year last season and, and you're totally right. I think, you know, after Rashford had that sort of little performance, there were, there were question marks over Saka. It's, it's interesting though, you know, yeah, I think the, the performance against France, it almost solidifies his status across the sort of England winger population as the one where it feels like when you need someone to do a job, a reliable job, an intelligent job in terms of tactically, in terms of discipline, defensively, forward, sticking to a plan type thing, He's your guy, isn't he? He's just he's he just seems to be so switched on, so focused. The occasion never gets to him. And you know, I thought was so impressive against France was how he just he just stuck to very basic things, the things that he's really good at. And it's a shame because I think the referee was a total disgrace against him in particular. Not sure why that was. It's just, he was so he was so disciplined in how he held himself, his technique, winning free kicks, etc. You know, I think he would have done everything the manager would have wanted him to do. You think sometimes some players might have let the occasion get to them, tried tried a bit too much. I never felt that was the way with him. And Myers, I think you said, you know, when you did that, you were at the Talksport um, fans said like drink up yeah, or whatever yeah. it was. <laughs> It basically so, was that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and I think, you know, I saw what you said there on camera and I, I think you said words to the effect of, um, if I recall correctly, you said words to the effect of, you know, other people are seeing how we see Saka. You know, we see Saka all the time and other people are realizing it is. I think mm. France was that, wasn't it? France was really, I felt that was that a game where I think a lot of, you know, rival fans kind of looked at and go, do you know what? Actually, he is really good. Yeah. And I, and I, I guess because he's not... Um, I was going to say not had to, not had the chance to shine on a champion. Like a lot of these players, a lot of these young players, they kind of shine. You know, they do well in their, in their, you know, for their clubs in their domestic leagues. But when it comes to actually putting themselves um, out there in regards to kind of world football, European football, it's doing it in the Champions League pretty much, possibly in the Europa League, but not so much, right? Not many people pay attention. You know, people are not really mm. watching the Europa League unless it's your team in it. So Champions League seems to be that platform. And obviously he's not had the chance to do that yet. So I, I, I do wonder kind of in the Premier League, I think, you know, he's obviously earned respect from a lot of people and, um, you know, we love him as Arsenal fans, but I think rival fans also rate him. But I think if you look across Europe, do you, you, you know, like the like how we looked at say Jadon Sancho when he was at Dortmund, for example, and there's probably loads of players like, you know, I mean, across Europe, how do you know, we, we look at those players and we think, Oh, this guy's good. You know, he's a hot prospect. This guy's going to be the next big thing, whatever. Like when, when Mbappe was coming through and smashing it for Monaco, in the champions league, Saka hasn't really had the chance. He just hasn't had the chance to do that. So I feel like this was almost, yeah. Like you say, Raj doing it at the world cup and, and impressing so, so much and, and playing to such a high standard every time he was on the pitch. Um, I think that this might be kind of a, a bit of a milestone moment for him in terms of his career, because yeah, I think other, other countries, cl- uh, fans of other clubs um, outside of the Premier League will, will sit up and take notice. Yeah. I'm someone that <clears throat> the world hasn't been able to take notice of this world cup is probably the only player of ours that is going to be involved in some shape, way or form in the final, which is William Saliba. Um, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> did England get beaten? 
by who you think are going to be the champions. Nero, um, is William Saliba going to come back with a World Cup winner's medal? <laughs> um, my money would be probably on uh, Argentina, I would say. No, as you, uh, you and my said, Argentina were going to win, didn't you? They were, yeah, they were your yeah. predictions. They were. Um, I mean, you were, dr- you were drunk in New York at the time. Where you, <laughs> yeah, I was like, give me, give me your predictions quickly. Just message something. What begins with the first letter of the alphabet? Argentina. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't even know where I went with my other predictions, to be honest. I don't want to <laughs> go into that. Um, you know, I think Argentina, I'd, I would like them to win, to be honest. I think just the whole messy fairy tale, um, you know, they haven't won it for several years now since was it eighty six. So it's been it'll be it'll be good for them and um you can see like their fans like they they won it as well, don't they? So their fans have been sort of incredible all year, uh, all tournaments. So um um yeah, like it would like to it would be nice to see a different winner. So you'd like you'd like to see them. What do you think will happen? Do you think do you think they'll do it? Um I think they can do it. Again, it's depends on Messi. Um um, if you can sort of pull the strings again, um, I think the that their left back Hernandez looks a bit suspect. So if you know that Messi can get into him, um, I think France can be a bit vulnerable. Um, and yeah, I think yeah, I think Argentina can do it. I think they can do it. Um, you, a bit, a bit of uh, Leo magic, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like obviously, as you said, Raj backed Argentina from the start, <laughs> lost their first game, and I was thinking, bloody hell, what's going to happen here? Um, but yeah, they, they've come back and they've they've been pretty impressive. Um, they've just looked quite solid since that defeat, and I think it should be like it's the final that I wanted. What once we knew who was in the semi-finals, I wanted to see the two best teams kind of go at it and see you know, who comes out on top, essentially. Um, it'll be really interesting because I think France didn't play very well tonight. Obviously, they've just beaten Morocco, but they didn't, like, Morocco were really, really, they looked really good and and you kind of feel for them because they were the underdog. But I think France just had enough quality to kind of come through the game, basically enough experience, enough quality, especially their, their front three or front four. What will be interesting to see is kind of how, Ar- I think it'll be interesting to see how Argentina set up because France seemed like the team, like they they've got the players that, when they're on it, they seem to be able to pass through anyone and they've got that quality through their team. And obviously they've, you know, up top, they've got Giroud is in fantastic form. They've got, you know, Mbappe obviously um, and dangerous players like Dembele and Griezmann, who just seems to be like creating, creating and, um, and assisting a lot. So it'll be interesting to see if Argentina come into the game where they just set up very solid and see if they can almost, I don't want to say play on the counter as such, but, but just take their chances as and when they come, but just try and be as solid as possible at the back and, and and try to kind of hold hold France from playing their game. And I can see Argentina doing a typical South American job on France and, you know, being really aggressive and central midfield. They've got players like Rodrigo de Paul, who's, um, you know, just like kind of tough tackling midfielder and, and Enzo Fernandez. So some, some kind of solid, again, solid players in midfield. So I'm just, I think it's quite an intriguing matchup. It's going to be interesting to see who comes out on top in terms of um, Mbappe and Messi, but, and Messi, sorry, but as uh, Nero said, like, I'm a big, big Messi fan. I, I love, love, love watching Messi, always love watching Messi. And part of the reason I predicted Argentina to win was because I want him to win a World Cup before he retires. So um definitely, definitely hoping that Argentina do it. And France already won it four years ago, so... <laughs> they don't need to win another one um so yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think it might go extra time and then hope hopefully argentina 
um, kind of pull it out of the bag. And Messi, and Messi has a good game. I have to say, well done, mate, for getting their central midfield right this time. <laughs> <laughs> that episode's off YouTube now. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's it. I, what I'm quite looking forward to is that there are two teams who feels like in the final third they're just both really good like when you look in the in the central of the pit in, in, in center mid i don't think either team really plays that much through central midfield although Tuchemini's like was uh, you know i think he was one of france's better players today it feels like these they're two teams who know that if they can get the ball into wide areas and get it forward quickly that can like really really hurt you um it's for different for different reasons um but yeah i'm like i i I don't really know where I stand on it. I quite like the idea, like you guys are saying, of Messi to, to bow out. I think that um, the bow out, sorry, with a with a World Cup winner's medal. I feel like this is probably Ronaldo's worst year of his life. Um, you know, from a football standpoint, like can yeah. it get really any worse than this after the debacle at Man United, like getting kind of dropped for Portugal, Portugal getting knocked out, and suddenly Messi's about to potentially win the World Cup. Um, you know, it looks uh, it looks like it will be painful for him. But I would quite. I think like Messi, Messi to win it. Um, so we'll see. At the same time, quite like Saliba to come back with a with a winner's medal. I know he hasn't done anything, <laughs> but you know, still nice to be part of a World Cup winning squad, isn't it? Um, okay. What a year the boy could have, because you know his club team are doing pretty damn well at the moment. Um, and yeah. uh, I guess we'll go into that in a second. But I mean, before look, I just want to touch on the other Arsenal boys who've been at the World Cup. Um, we will save Gabriel Jesus till the end because there's a lot we need to talk about with regards to that. But the other boys that have gone, they've had a, a generally a decent kind of World Cup. I think all of them did it. Did did pretty much all of them make it out the groups, I want to say? Did Partey uh, did them? Well, God did didn't make it. No, God didn't. Um, no, no. Tommy Asi did. did. Shaka did. did. Shaka did. Yeah, Turner did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was more or less it, wasn't it? Brazil, yeah. Brazil did. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So we've done pretty well to avoid um, injuries aside from the big one, which we'll talk about. But everyone, everyone else, um, you know, I think they've had a nice little World Cup, haven't they? <laughs> they've had a decent run out. They've been, you know, got, got a little bit of a break. Um, any, any takeaways from you guys? Was Was Tommy Yasu's kind of World Cup interesting to you guys? Because it's a bit weird with him. I felt like um, you know he kind of came into the Jap- Japan squad with his fitness, with a, with a bit of a question mark over his fitness, and the Japan seemed to play him in a really interesting way. It felt like they were always um, kind of playing him for a very specific amount of minutes every game. Sometimes coming off the bench. I think more or less he came off the bench. For all, did he did he start? How many games did he start? I, I want to say he started uh, less than he. Yeah, uh, well, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but I think he only started. Was it one or maybe two? could be wrong on that yeah. um but yeah and i don't definitely... know if you saw his comments right like after the world cup he, he seemed to be really really upset with his own personal performance in the last game um he made comments to sort of say you know he, he felt that he had a terrible game and he apologized to the japan fans for, for he, himself and it sounded like a very despondent guy who would need some picking up um Arteta seems like a good manager to to do stuff like that um but Xhaka, on the other hand, you know, f- f- sounded like he was he's still full of confidence. Um, it's always interesting to see how the boys come back from their various World Cup journeys, isn't it? Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I was just, yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I think it's interesting with like Tomiyasu, Xhaka, you know, if you think about the countries that they're playing for, they're not, 
you know, they're not the biggest nations or, you know, they weren't playing for one of the favorites, Thomas Party, another example. So it's, it's quite interesting. Like, I think with Xhaka, like, was it the, was it the Euros that Switzerland did really well in when they beat France? Was it, was it the Euros? Last Euros, they beat France. So I guess, like maybe there's a little bit, a little bit of expectation on on them, but I think for those types of countries and therefore that you know the, the players, um, it's pretty much look get out of the group and then let's see how we do type of thing. And if we can get to a quarterfinal, then fantastic. I, I, and I think you know in terms of how these some of these players might respond when they come back to Arsenal. Like I'm not, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird one because we're we're just straight back into it, right? Like there isn't really any time to sort of dwell on what went wrong. I didn't play well in the World Cup. My, I didn't get my chance or, you know, whatever it was. Like, it's pretty much, there's no break between, you know, July to the, the preseason starting or whatever. It's We're straight back into it. We've got, we've got a game in 10 days or whatever it is, or 11 days. So I, I don't really have any, have any concerns. And I think if you're coming, you know, if you're coming back, having gone out of the World Cup, even like Thomas Partey, for example, we've gone out of group stages, disappointing, but then you're coming back to the team that's top of the league. It, it, it's not a bad place um, and situation, you know, it's not a bad place to come back to and not a bad situation to come back to. It's not like we're we're languishing in seventh or eighth, right? So, um, so I think, I think they'll be able to deal with it completely fine in terms of mentality wise in terms of just you know pick hope hopefully that the idea is we just pick up where we left off left off and i think that's what you know if we're going to talk about arsenal i think that's what arsenal that's got to be our target right that's got to be arteta's target i know that there's going to be kind of fitness issues and concerns and certain players have played more than others and all the rest of it um and and, and the hazus injury which we're going to talk about but i think it's from an arteta perspective it's probably he's probably telling them or he's going to be telling them you know look let's just pretend like we haven't just had a six week break. We just carry on from where we left off and continuity um, is probably what he's going to try and is what he's going to try and kind of bring into the West Ham game because, you know, that, that's what we were doing. We were doing so well, right? Um, a few weeks ago, we were doing so well at the start of the season. Yeah, so no, I completely but... agree. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. I think, Arteta is probably the right guy after disappointment to sort of come back to and, you know, put your arm around you and encourage you. Um, and, you know, like Ben White was obviously went home for whatever reasons. And I think we had two friendlies this week and he was still played in both, started both games, played both games. So, you knew he, he didn't need a, you know, a further prolonged break from that. Um, so whatever happened to him, clearly Arteta has managed to hopefully, you know, get that, sort that out. And he's sort of back in the game, uh, back in the team. Obviously, um, part of disappointment. He, I think, he started as well one of our friendly games as well. So it's good that they're sort of, you know, slowly coming back into into the team straight away. Um, I think the only other player, sort of, did you mention was like sort of Martinelli. I thought from Martinelli, sort of World Cup. It was uh, obviously it was a surprise that he went there. Um, again, I would to be fair. He's one of the players I had sort of full confidence in. If he does, you know, play, he will be able to sort of show the world what he's capable of and. In the one game he did sort of start and played the most game. I think they lost. I can't remember who they Cameroon lost. Cameroon game was it? Cameroon game. Yeah. But again, all the plaudits in from Brazil were like he was their sort of standout player. So yeah, he you no know, he didn't do his stock any harm either. So I agree with you. Uh, I mean, should we touch? No, should we touch on the Ben White thing? Because you see, I think rightfully at the beginning when the news of Ben White leaving England camp came out. Um, was sort of cited for personal reasons. I think rightfully everyone was, you know, most Arsenal fans were sort of saying, 
no point speculating, no point talking about, you know, rumours, etc. Apparently it's personal reasons, leave it that and it'll kind of, you know, it'll come out, if, whatever. But it seems like more and more journalists stroke kind of even kind of the Arsenal pundits I was reading on Le Grove today, etc. It feels like there's a lot more confidence that actually some of the allegations were true around a sort of some kind of bust up in the England camp where seemingly him and Steve Holland had some kind of altercation. And if if anything, it's sort of, if there is truth in that, it is sort of backed up by the fact that he sort of come to Dubai and is immediately kind of, you know, back playing football, back playing these friendlies and and seems to have a smile on his face. And, and you know, I think he was on Instagram saying, you know, back in business or whatever it, if it, it, it was. Arteta's comments, I thought, were quite interesting. Um, if you dissect what he actually said, you know, he, he, he sort of said words to the effect of, you know, I know Ben, I know what he needs. There was some. There was a line in it with sort of red like that, which again to me was like, oh, that that's interesting. That seems like a, there's some inference there to me. I took that to infer something around. Well, you know, maybe you know some of the coaches dicked around with him, but I'm you know I know how to get the best out of Ben. Um, Mize, what do you do? You think? Do you, I mean, I know we don't want to speculate, but you know, if that is true, if that is true, if he if he has had a bust up um, with, with Steve Holland or whatever, are you surprised? Are you surprised that he, he left the camp? And, um, you know, do you have any concerns about him and his mental state? Uh, I was surprised. I mean, I, was, I think everyone was surprised when, when he left the camp. Um, but when, when it happened, it sounded like, again, speculating to be honest, but it sounded like there was an issue, personal issue that he had back at home in England, in London to deal with. And that's why he came back. Um, obviously now, you know, the, the, the news about this potential bust up has, has come out. I mean, look, I don't know whether to believe it or not. Um, what I, w- I mean, what I would say when you hear Ben White talk, it's quite, I mean, look, his, his like kind of, dr- he's got a very dry sense of humor, right. And he's got a very mm. no nonsense approach when, with his interviews. We saw one just before the world cup, ki- world cup kicked off for Arsenal, where I can't remember which game it was. It might have been the, I can't remember which game it was to be honest, but there was a game that we just played and he got interviewed and he was pretty much just like one word answers to the, to the interviewer. And he was just sort of like, yeah, like I don't really give a shit kind of thing. I just want, I'm, I'm not really fussed about being here. And I think that's just his personality. And, and that, I suppose there's a good chance that, you know, he goes away to England and there's certain maybe coaches that just don't like that. They just don't like that kind of, attitude i don't say i don't mean attitude in a negative way just his attitude as in the way the way he is his personality so so maybe it's happened i mean i find it quite interesting that if it's a bust up between play, a player or players and coaches normally that kind of thing when it comes to like england in tournaments and stuff normally that kind or any country at tournaments it just that that gets leaked and um you know the news spreads really quickly and it becomes a massive thing so england have done if it is true england have actually done quite well to sort of keep it under wraps to a certain certain degree um look, in terms of his mental state or um you know how this might have affected him affected him not not really i don't i feel like he's a pretty strong character like i think even when you think back to when he signed for arsenal everyone wrote him off like it was kind of like when we signed ramsdale right everyone wrote these players off especially because of the price tag um and that didn't phase him when it came to his performances for for Arsenal. That didn't phase him. Um, yeah, that, yeah, exactly that. That ju- that didn't have any effect on him. Um, and he kind of blocked all of that out, blocked out a lot of the noise, blocked out a lot of the haters, whatever you want to call it. He made the centre-back position his own. He then 
kind of was for, forced or I don't know tactical switch into right back this season absolutely smashing it right back you know again we're top of the league and he's been one of the standout performers for us done really really well linking up with Saka down that right hand side you know we've he's displaced our first choice right back so I kind of look at him as someone that um probably wouldn't be affected by this I think it'll be a bit of a shame if it affects his like England future in the kind of short to medium term like if he doesn't get picked for the next few squads as a result of this I think that would be a bit of a shame and I can imagine that might uh, you know might affect him but I also feel like again you're you're he's come back to a pretty good situation when it comes to Arsenal right like he's come back to a situation where we're absolutely smashing it and hopefully we, we you know we, we carry that on when, when we start again um on Boxing Day um and that must help a lot that must help a lot to come back to a team and a side that's winning games so yeah uh, I, I don't really have too many concerns I just think it's a bit of a shame really that he, he ended up having to leave because it would have been you know like all the other players like Matt Ramsdale would have been obviously very good even if he didn't get any minutes which I don't think he was going to it would have just been really good experience to be part of a, a team getting to the quarterfinals and playing you know um, playing a, a, a strong France team totally agree um, listen as we hit the half hour mark I think we should evolve into kind of the biggest topic of, of you know that we plan to talk about this episode which is our player that did get injured this World Cup um Look, Gabriel Jesus, what more needs to be said about his contribution to Arsenal this season that we haven't already said a million times, um, despite the fact that he's not racking up massive goal numbers. Um, I don't think that there's anyone anyone who's been watching Arsenal who, who doesn't agree that he has in some ways helped transform this side. He's added a dynamic that wasn't necessarily there before. There's a a certain type of experience and a certain type of quality that he's brought. And it's just really um, invigorated the side. We've talked on our previous episodes about the areas of the pitch where we would suffer the most if we had an injury. We talked about central midfield and we talked about getting an injury to Gabriel Jesus. Nero, you know, Mize and I have therefore probably contributed quite a lot to that conversation in the past. Tell us, what's your views? Gabriel Jesus picked up what seemed to be a relatively innocuous kind of knock. It didn't become apparent in the game. And then the news leaked that he was going to be out from for about three to four weeks. And we were all like, oh, does that mean he's going to miss the West Ham game? Oh, my God. And then all of a sudden it was like a ooh, surgery and all three potentially, you know, three to four months out, maybe. I mean, that's three to four months out is, is a, is a much, much bigger deal than missing the, the fucking West Ham game, isn't it? Yeah, Tell me, so- what, do, what do you think? So for me, yeah, like I said, uh, it was sort of a roller coaster of sort of emotions rather than telling you straight away. We were sort of finding out, uh, drip fed, how bad the uh, sort of injury was going to be. Um, again, for me, three to four months, I think the way Arsenal need to, and sort of Eddie and Arteta needs to look at it is three to four months is April. You know, there's a good, good chance that that could easily prolong on to May. Uh, he won't be back to full fitness. Realistically, he might be out for the season. That's the way we need to sort of look at it. Um, in terms of then options, um, obviously January is never the you know, best time to be sort of buying players. Um, me personally, like we've got Eddie there, you know, we, I think it's time you now we gave him a five-year contract extension in uh, the summer, like 70 odd grand a week. So I think 
we have to back him. I think, I think it's hundred grand a week he got. It's hundred grand a week. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so, um, so if you're going to be giving players hundred grand a week, a five-year contract, it is for moments like this when your main striker is injured, and it's now your moment to go and shine. Um, and I think Eddie's a kind of confidence player where. In the past, we've seen, you know, coming in you know, as a sub or coming in one game here and there, he's never really performed. Um, and you can sort of see that as well from the uh, All or Nothing documentary as well. Like for him, he needs to be back and go, you know, I trust you for five games or I trust you for six games. So there's no sort of pressure on him. So me personally, I feel, you know, I do, I do like Eddie and I do think for me, this is personally, I'll say go for it and back him as your main striker for the sort of next sort of, you know, until the end of the season. Um, other alternatives, obviously, you know, you've got, I guess, sorry, first thing is if, if he gets injured, then we're pretty screwed because then we've got no one there. Um, alternatively, you know, there's talks about potentially shifting Martinelli up front. Um, me personally, it's again, you've got the system that's working now and, you know, he's doing so well where he is playing. Like, why would you change that? Um, sorry, Mike. I thought you were going to say something there. No, I was. <clears throat> I just wanted to pick up on something you said. Yeah, I think it's a really, really important point, which I think people are are sort of overlooking slightly at the moment. Um, a lot of people are debating as to whether we can rely on Eddie and whether you know, given given the targets moved somewhat, you know, we're top of the league, and there's been that argument around, oh, like you know, maybe we can have this unlikely title push, and it, it, it because of that you know, maybe the expectations have risen of what we expect out of a centre forward. And so there's this debate that's going on as to whether, you know, Eddie can fill the shoes of Jesus and what he's been contributing um, and whether we need to sign someone else as a result. But you, you make a good point, which is that I think, you know, even if you do think that let's back Eddie and, and you know, he, he's he's going to be the one, he'll be the main striker. If he gets injured then you're screwed because we're already operating with a, a, a squad which just had two recognised strikers and a Martinelli who could play there if we had to. But, you know, it was a two-striker. So that was relatively light anyway before. Mm. So your point is fair in that, you know, if you've got a guy who's out for a number of months, it's not weeks, it's months, isn't it? And yeah. and Eddie gets injured at some point. You're, you're kind of screwed. So so do you, do you think regardless of the fact that, you know, you clearly think that Eddie is someone that, you know, you, you think that um, we should back Eddie. Do you think yeah. that we need to go for someone who can play centre forward in January? I think we need to be, and I know obviously Eddie and Arteta are very obviously savvy in the market. Like we need to, January signings are quite rare, especially with Arsenal. We're more or under this new regime. We normally offload rather than bring players in. So like obviously they're thinking, obviously A, January is normally inflated market as it is, right? Because no one wants to lose a player for half a season because then they'll have to go and replace that player. And B as well now, everyone knows that Arsenal are desperate now. You know, we've lost Jesus. So automatically they're like throwing another 10 million or 15, whatever, 10%, 15% on top of the asking price. So I don't think it's going to be easy to bring someone in. Um, and personally, like, you know, sort of going off here, if we had a sort of fixed budget, um, for the January, I'll rather focus on because again, like I said, the two areas that we were struggling is up front and in midfield. Um, I'll rather you know try and get you know like a Tielemans on a cheap if I can um, because I feel like the gap between then you know Xhaka and Partey, if one of them gets injured, then the drop is 
even further to like El Neni and Lukonga. So I feel that midfield is probably super key as well um, to, you know, our title challenge. Um, so, yeah, it all depends on, you know, who's available. The market at this talks about, you know, Sane as well. I don't know if that's how legitimate that was, you know, we're being linked to him, for example. Um, and it's all, I guess, I guess they know what their budget is. Hopefully it would have grown since start of the season, what their January budget was, as you said, considering where we are in the league and what we are fighting for. But then it's, you know, do we bring in quality now or do we, or sorry, do we just bring in a stopgap now? Mm. You know, bring in a, another class striker. Then when Jesus is back, then, you know, um, who's your number one? You've got three strikers there fighting for that position. So um, I think, we, yeah, we need to be smart about it, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot that you've said there that I think can be unpacked in different ways. But I think like, I think it's a fair point that a general point there that I think a lot of these things are inextricably linked. Like, for example, if we have a fixed budget, then we need to think about that. And because we do have to strengthen some other areas, etc. But before we get into all of that nuance, Mize, do you want to just pick up on some of the stuff that Nero, Nero said there? Like, so, you know, ultimately you know we 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 think that in a worst case scenario Hayes could be out for 3 to 4 months this being said apparently Granit Xhaka recovered from the same injury in 8 to 9 weeks so you know it might be something that's less than that and then when you if you look at it from a best case scenario in that way let's just say if it was closer to 2 months well he had surgery i don't know what was it a week ago hmm. so there's a chance therefore he's back in mid february um and that's a very different equation from being back in April, kind of, because as Nero says, you're back in April, then, you know, you might as well just assume the guy's out for the season because yeah. you could be out of all your competitions by April anyway. Um, so, so what do you think? I mean, build, building on the things that Nero said, what, I mean, what, what are your feelings around the, around the matter? Uh, okay. So, I mean, look, in terms of the injury, um, I think if we were ever going to get an injury to a, because we, like you said, Raj, when you, when you kind of introduced this segment, we pretty much said there were probably there's a few places you just don't want to get injured, but the two key ones were probably Hazus and Thomas Party, right? Um, so unfortunately, he's picked up this long term injury, but you couldn't have really asked for it to come at a better time if it was going to come anywhere through the season. If it had come in, say, September, we probably aren't sitting top of the league come Christmas. So the fact that it's happened during this six week break or so, it means that his rehab, like you say, his operation was a week ago or whatever, his rehab can kick off before we even you know, have to worry about the next Premier League game. So maybe we save two, three weeks there, whatever. Maybe, you know, that might make a difference. It might not. Um, in terms of kind of what we do without him, like it's quite interesting, right? Because Jesus wasn't scoring goals the last 10 games or whatever. I don't know. I can't remember now. All, all of my Arsenal stats have like, uh, you know, left <laughs> my brain since they've not played in the last few weeks. But how many games it was that you didn't score and everyone was going on about it. it you know, it's so so in terms of what Eddie, if we take the assumption, I I I mean I think it's a straight swap for for Eddie in terms of what Arteta's gonna do. I think he keeps the same system. I think, like I was saying before, right, in terms of continuity, just because like I completely agree with Nero, Eddie's there as a second striker for that very reason, right? Hazus is injured. Eddie's no longer that kid that comes on for five or 10 minutes. It, that, I mean, that is what he's doing at the moment, but his place in the squad is to be the Europa League guy, be the cup guy, play 20, 25 games a season, be there when Hazus needs a rest or he's injured and to contribute. Right. So 
I don't think it makes any sense to kind of look at bringing Martinelli through, playing him through the middle when he's just been so dangerous, so direct, so exciting, so effective down that left-hand side. Um, I, I wouldn't want to change that now. And I think if you start doing that, then you're just changing too much in a front line that really, when you've got this kind of hazus light in, in Enketiah, I'd rather just make that that straight swap, as it were. And and I think the point around like goals is quite important because Hazus wasn't scoring goals, but it wasn't like there was any okay, then maybe there was a little bit discussion, a little bit of discussion around should we maybe change him for this one game? Should we play Eddie for this one game? Just take Hazus out of the firing line a little bit. But at the same time, he offers so much in terms of pressing, in terms of winning the ball back high up the pitch, in terms of aggressiveness in terms of you know holding up the long balls and and, and holding off the center back in terms of um you know um interceptions all of those like attributes that he has and all of those qualities that he brings to uh, to, to to that center forward role that makes up a hell of a lot for not scoring goals so if eddie can do a lot of that i'm not saying he necessarily can and that's what we're going to have to that's what we're going to see right over the next few games but if eddie can at least try to almost fill a lot of those uh, holes or gaps that Jesus is going to leave. Yeah, of course, he's probably going to be judged by goals. But at the same time, if Arsenal was still winning games and he's mm. not scoring goals, it almost doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of looking at this as, yeah, I, I completely agree with what Nero said. Like he's he's the striker that comes in now. He, he's got to take the opportunity. And I think for Eddie, he is a goal scorer, right? So he will look mm. at this as he's probably going to judge himself like his success criteria is I need to be scoring goals. And to be fair, when he came in at the back end of last season, that's what he did. He he did score goals for us um, and very important goals as well. But I think he offers a lot of similar attributes in terms of pressing, in terms of um, you know, like chasing down the goalkeeper when the ball goes back, when the def- when the defense pass it back, or or you know, yeah, um, harassing um, defenders, um, ba- making a nuisance of yourself, and just being really busy and being everywhere. I think he can do all of those things and do those things really well. Um, and and I think you know we're we're a team that are obviously creating chances at the moment, and I expect him to be on the end of those. So I feel like. You know, if he kind of plays to his full potential, I we'll obviously miss Jesus, but I don't think we'll miss him as much as people are stressing out about. Um, maybe in some of the tougher games where it's like Spurs away, for example, and we maybe don't have as much of the ball as we would against, say, West Ham on Boxing Day. Um, maybe in some of those games, and Jesus gives you that option when you do go long. He's fantastic at you know, despite his size, he's fantastic at holding off the defender, controlling a ball first time, bringing it down and then, you know, releasing it or whatever. I'm not sure Eddie necessarily gives you that. I don't think he gives you that physicality as such. So we're probably, again, there's going to be a drop off, but I'm just kind of hopeful that, you know, based on everything I've said, we can, we can manage without Jesus and hopefully it isn't four months and we can kind of get ourselves through a maybe a six week, two month period and see where we are. Do you think though, like, it, you know, you, you you made the comment around how it's like almost a like for like replacement. It's it's quite funny though. I almost feel that that is true. That is very true. But I almost feel that is that is that a bit dangerous? Because let's do an example, right? Let's say if you have Aguero and Giroud in your team, you've got those two strikers in your squad. You know, you know when one of them starts over the other, you basically have to change your system, right? Like you can't play the same system like it's a completely different type of center forward and eddie is like you say like jesus they're both pressing forwards if jesus is arguably the best pressing forward in the league you'd still probably put eddie in the top five in terms of pressing forwards he's an incredibly effective pressing forward 
so in in terms of that element of the game, they're very similar. Eddie is going to want to be um, in the box, though. And here's the thing: the the one difference that they both have, I I would say, is that Eddie doesn't like to come as deep as Jesus does, and that's in some ways a small thing, but in some ways it's quite a big thing in terms of, like you've very correctly pointed out. It's not Jesus not scoring goals hasn't been a great issue because goals have been coming in the squad and other people have been scoring. But how much of that has been down to this role that Jesus has been taking where he comes a bit deeper and he does all these things? It's some, It's a bit hard to quantify. So my concern a little bit is actually, will that small detail mean that the the amount of goals that we were generating from the rest of the squad is impacted because you know you, if Eddie isn't doing that exact role that, that Jesus does? It's, yeah, I guess, yes, I guess they'll we'll have to, yes, slightly sort of tweak the sort of system. Um, like I said, like Jesus would come back and get everyone else involved, but Jesus was never the most sort of clinical mm. striker there was anyway. So maybe that role suited him better to get Saka and Martinelli and the rest of the midfield involved. Whereas I think, I think Eddie's actually clinical. Um, and that's the paradox, isn't it? And that's kind of what Myers was alluding to because goals had been had sort of dried up for Jesus. And actually, what is Eddie? Eddie is a finisher. Eddie is a is a yeah. goal scorer. That's what he wants to do. So the paradox is that is that actually, in theory, he should be able to do that quite well. And it's just you, you hope that the bit that Jesus was doing really well um, doesn't impact the definition of the rest of the team, which I think is going to be really really interesting. But but I, I do want to ask you on Nero's because I think I think it is an important one. Regardless, do you think that there is a concern just with depth then anyway, and therefore if uh, you know whatever Arteta and Eddie were planning to do in January, do, do you think that they will be thinking about that issue that what happens if Eddie gets injured, even if Eddie's injured for two weeks? <sighs> It's such a tough one, isn't it? Because, I mean, how many clubs, unless you're even City, to be honest, I was going to say unless you're City, but how many teams have, you know, two, I don't, I don't know whether you call them top-level strikers, but let's just say t- two top-level or two very good strikers. Um, oh, sorry, more than two, right? So, like, I mean, it's it's... It's it's a difficult one because yeah, I think Nero kind of touched on it. You can't if you can if you can if there's a loan deal out there that could be done, that makes sense across you know for all parties and it and and it's a short term thing. Obviously, a you know a six month loan deal, then then maybe that's the solution. But you know maybe that might be something really difficult to do. I don't know. I mean, I feel like we're. I think we knew that this. I wouldn't necessarily say the squad is thin, but I would say because we we have a fairly decent second string. Um, but I think injuries to certain players in certain positions, the the next option is like, uh, it's just nowhere near the same level. Like Thomas Partey, for example, right? So can you address that in January? Maybe. I don't know. I think that, what what what's going to be really interesting about January is, is how do exactly what you said, how do Edu and Arteta and, and the rest of them basically how do they approach January with the position that we're in? Because they can either look at it as we're top of the league, but we've actually got a chance of winning the league. Do we go for it? Do we go and get, I can't say his name. Is it Murdoch? Mur- Murdoch. Apparently you're supposed to pronounce it Mudrik. 
Okay, I'm not going to say. Yeah, so okay. apparently, it's like it, I'm think, pronouncing it Mudrick. Mudrick. <laughs> yeah, apparently, he's like mood. A Ukrainian guy. Um, you know, and and the figures being quoted for him are north of like it's Pepe money kind of thing, right? More than that. So, so you know, if the, if we were to go and show that kind of ambition in January, that to me says the club think that we can win the league this season. Let's go and get the targets that we're probably looking at for the summer. Let's go and get them now. Kind of what we wanted every what we wanted them to do twelve months ago. Um, and if they don't, if they are happy with what we've got or we don't strengthen at all, then I think it's, okay, the target was Champions League. We're confident that this squad can deliver us Champions League and we'll address it in terms of let's get Champions League and then we'll address the kind of deficiencies and whatever in the summer. Um, so that, that's why I think it's just going to be really, really interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, we'd have to be so unlucky if... This is what I'm saying. Like, how many teams have a third striker they no, can just bring in? Agree. You know, so we'd have to be really unlucky. I mean, Liverpool have been pretty unlucky this season, but their front three feels quite interchangeable. Ours is mm. somewhat interchangeable, maybe maybe less so. But it's like if Haaland gets injured, then Alvarez comes in. If Alvarez gets injured, then, okay, City probably have to play some sort of yeah. false line system or whatever, but they still have to make do with what they've yeah. got. We'd probably have to do the same. So, yeah. And Nero, yeah. I think, um, sorry, I was going to say, like, there's two points that Mai's mentioned. So yeah, I completely agree with the um, you know, for example, we can't have three strikers like when Hez is back, how do we, you know, make them all happy? How do you fit them all in? And if Balogun uh, Balogun, sorry, I'll come to Balogun in a minute. If um Eddie does get injured, then for a couple of weeks, then we've all like I said, we've got that you know, short term fix where Martinelli could potentially sort of play up front, right? Um or Smith Rowe as well. Smith Rowe, especially yeah. he's gonna come back from injury. Um and then, yeah, the second option is about Balogun. Potentially, you know, there's an option there of bringing him back. But again, I feel that's a bit too premature at this point. Um, and, Mike, you're mentioning about, like, signing, is it Mudrick guy of, like, 60, 70 million? Like, for yeah. me, that's, like, Zed Pepe territory, you know. I don't think many people heard of this guy before. I didn't before this season. So, I wouldn't – I think signing him, for me, wouldn't really indicate, you know, we're title ambitious team because I'm never I – don't, I don't know – much about him to be fair so i don't know if you know bringing him in as a panic buy for 80 million i don't think it'd be a i don't think it'd be a panic buy to be fair because i think we've been linked with him for a little while and it's obviously someone that we're scouting and i think it's a case of what what Shakhtar want is like massive money like they want close to 100 million and i think mm. the valuation is realistically a bit lower i mean like i'm only going on what apparently I've read, right 40 apparently the summer that we were linked to for 40 apparently okay. well, so, but apparently i think it was even it's even more interesting than that right because in the summer we didn't it didn't seem like we were actually keen on him because he, there, a fee was agreed with brentford for 25 million oh no way okay i didn't know that and he didn't want to go for, to brentford so it was it was it was Brentford and Everton, I think, who were the teams in for him. Brentford had a fee agreed for twenty five million, and then the deal didn't happen. He didn't want to go. Now, I think the interesting thing about that is clearly we clearly we were up for getting a winger in the summer because of the Rafinha bid. Yeah, so clearly I think they thought if a player was of the right quality, we'll get them in. And clearly they didn't think that Mudrik at whatever price it was 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 worth it. But and I think kind of you know big but um, they quite clearly are keen now and that's what all the all the reporters are saying that they're quite keen that's they've seen something over the last kind of few months whether it's his performances in the champions league or 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 whatever that's made them think okay we can get him i'd be very surprised though very surprised if there is any notion with arteta or or or, or, arteta or edu i I don't i'd be very surprised if either of them think 
well, we weren't willing to pay 25 million for him in the summer. We are willing to pay 70, 80 million for him now. I'd be very surprised with that. I, I get the impression that Chuck does kind of CEO, whoever he is, is just trying to drive this price up as high as he can possibly get. From what I understand, the club are in a fair amount of financial difficulty, partly because of the Ukraine-Russia crisis. And ultimately, he's their big asset. So they're going to want to try and get as much money as possible from him. But I'd be very surprised if it is for for, for that much money. I, I think, that, that I th- again, the criticism I would have slightly, and, and it's hard to criticise you know, Arsenal at the moment in terms of signings, is that if he was available in the summer and if he was available for around that mu- that much money, then why is it, what, what is it exactly that they weren't convinced about that, you know, they didn't bite the bullet on. Um, mm. But, you know, yeah. it will be, it'll be, it, it will be interesting. And, and like, like Nero, you said that because people know that we are, you know, because of the Jesus injury that helps them in their kind of bargaining position as, as sellers. I guess the annoying thing is right in January, sellers all have the bargaining position, don't they? Like, because you, you know, you're always buying someone in January is generally because something's happened like yeah. generally speaking it's because of that but you kind of there's hope no that we are there's yeah. no guarantee either like when you're signing someone not from the premiership has never played in the premiership that they're going to come in well, and that straight away and if we need a six month fix then that's very sort of risky um yeah. whereas you know get someone from the premiership or you know someone like Sane, you know, that name's been thrown around who mm. has worked with arteta um that even you know that does feel more of a reasonable signing because he'll f- sort of fit in straight away and Arteta would know what to do with him immediately. Um, so yeah, I don't, I'm not really keen on this signing if it is 70 million. Well, let, let's just say whatever the price is, let's just, let's just say, you know, we, we, we end up signing him because what, what I feel quite confident, I don't know about you guys, I feel quite confident that they are very conscious of their budget and I don't think they would sign someone for however, money, however much money if they thought it would stop them being able to do the other things that they also think are important. Um, but, you know, I think what would be good is if we do sign a player like him, then even though you're not signing a centre forward, it does mean that if Eddie was to get injured, you have a little bit more flexibility, doesn't it? When you know by moving Martinelli out and you know back into centre forward or something. But um, we haven't really been linked with any other wide players uh, this window. So you know, for me, I don't know if you guys have heard anything, but it, it sounds like it's you know Mudrik is the one that we want, and like uh, unless this is going to be one of those windows where someone just comes out of nowhere. Um, is there anyone you guys would like, though? I mean, Myers, maybe I'll come to you first. Is there a wide player that you might like? I'm just going to throw out an, you know, an option <laughs> for you. Um, Go on, Zaha. We've talked about him oh, before. Yeah. He's yeah, coming yeah. out of contract. He's coming out of contract in the summer. Um, he can play centrally, um, and he can obviously play wide. That's where he mainly plays. Premier yeah. League proven. Um, you know, loves has always seemingly wanted to come to Arsenal. Cut price deal clearly on the cards. As an example, would you take that as an alternative? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think he was one of the one of the players that um, transferred deadline day in the summer. We were like, that might be one that Arsenal kind of pulled the trigger on, um, you know, in the last few hours on the last day or whatever, and that just didn't happen. And whether we were whether we were ever interested or not, I don't know. But I, I'd absolutely love Zaha. I really, really like him. Um, you know, he's a player that. It's just another exciting, you know, in terms of what you want from your attacking players, he's 
he's direct, he's, he's exciting to watch. He likes to take players on. Obviously, that's his kind of trademark thing, right? Taking players on. But he also offers final product. And like Nero just said it, you know, you, you can bring in players from anywhere around the world. There's no guarantees that it's going to kind of work out for them in terms of, um, you know, their Premier League careers. But with Zaha, we obviously know what he's about. And, um, you know, he can handle... Um, kind of the physicalities of the Premier League and he's comfortable with it and he's London boy, all the rest of it. So there's a lot of reasons why it could work out. Um, and yeah, look, you know, if there was a deal to be done, I would love for Arsenal to get get that and get him into our squad and 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 almost, <laughs> I dare say, provide backup to Martinelli on that left-hand side. I'm not necessarily sure that's the case because I think, you know, I would just love, I would just love to see kind of how, how he would, how he could potentially do in our team. Um, and I'm sure like, I can't really see any reason why he wouldn't want to, like, it feels like there's a big move left like for him, you know, that Man United deal or that move just never worked out. Um, and he's been at Palace forever. Yeah. He's been at Palace like his entire career, apart from a year or two at Man United. And it feels like there's like a a big club move just left. I think he's like, what he's like 20, 30 years old around that kind of age. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm sure he would jump at the chance as well. So he, you know, I, I think we've got to start looking at this as, okay, what do we want to achieve this season? does Zaha help us achieve that? And I think if it's top four, you know, let's be realistic. If it's top four, then I think Zaha in the squad does help that. And I think when you then look at, okay, let's sort of start planning for next season as well. Does Zaha get into our Champions League squad? I think the answer to that is yes as well. And does Mm. he play in the Champions League? Yeah, I think the answer to that is yes as well. So yeah, he's absolutely the kind of player that I would, I would love for Arsenal. I mean, when, as soon as you said, Raj, you know, who would you like as a attacking player, as a wide player? I mean, no, no particular names came to mind. The one that did come to mind was Harvey Barnes, just because I quite like Harvey Barnes, but I'm not saying I necessarily, I'm desperate for Arsenal to sign him. Um, and I'm not even necessarily sure he's like the answer or he's going to kind of go on to fulfill a lot of the potential that he's shown. But he's a player that I really like. James Madison's a player that I really like. Tielemans is a player that I really like. Um, yeah, you so basically want the, the Leicester yeah, squad. Yeah, I want the Leicester, Leicester squad, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Vardy from five years ago. So, um yeah, I can't really think of... I mean, I'm just struggling to think, to be honest, right now on the spot, but I can't really think of anyone else. What about uh, you, Nero? Anyone yeah. any, anyone you can think of? It's someone I mentioned like before. Like, if it is true, like, I'll definitely take uh, Sane. Um, right, right, okay. Because, like, A, you know, he's worked with Arteta before. He's got premiership experience. He's, how old is he now? I think he's about 26, 25, 26. So he's still, I was just looking that up. I think he's like 26-ish. Uh, so he's obviously still got best years ahead of him. Yeah, he's 20, 26. Like, no, no. 26, yeah. He'll be 27 in January. Oh, okay. So if we, yeah. when we sign him, he'll be 27. Yeah. When we sign him. Um, <laughs> uh, and then, like, yeah, again, prime, like, prime years, think, prime years. Yeah. yeah, only thing compared to, obviously, <laughs> Zaha is like, um, you know, Sane's played Champions League football. He's played high-level football for Germany. So he's got that big player or big game mentality. The same as bringing over, you know, Zinchenko and Jesus. I feel, you know, they've all worked with Arteta. He knows what they're about. Their sort of the risk, transitional risk is very minimal. And he could bring a bit of positivity as well uh, to the squad. So um, he's quite versatile as well where he can play. So um, that's why I would, yeah, as in there is a chance I would definitely grab that. Do you, so do you guys think we will sign anyone in January? Like anyone? Yeah. You do? Yeah. What position? Z? I think we'll sign. I think we'll go. For, personally, I think we'll sign Mudrik. I think that mm. it's just it just smells like something that we're looking to do. Clearly, we will run in a wide player. 
I think for whatever reason, they're now convinced about him. Maybe they weren't in the summer. I don't know. Maybe that maybe they didn't have the maybe in the summer for whatever reason in the end it was a fun to I don't know. There's so many things we don't know. But clearly I think that they wanted a wide player and it sounds like he he's the one. So I think we will do that. Um I you know I think there was always a plan to do something in January. Like I I, I it, it it just felt like it was a case of depending on how well we were doing, it could influence what sort of signing that was. Um I think ultimately they know that they wanted to strengthen the squad, but want to strengthen it, strengthen it with a certain caliber of player. And I think it was hard to to um, entice some of those caliber of players if you, you know you don't necessarily have Champions League football that you can offer. But I think right now, when you're sitting at the top of the Premier League, it's really it's really enticing. I think you know it's really it's it's a different equation when you're trying to attract players. Um, so I do think that if there's kind of any of these opportunities that can be done, that they'll probably take it now. I think that Tielemans, it's sort of gone off the radar, but I think that's a decent shout. I think that Leicester won't want... Le- Leicester don't always seem to start Tielemans at the moment, which makes me sort of feel that they are trying to plan for life ahead of him anyway. And I think they'd probably rather get some money for him than not. I mean, they literally didn't make... They hardly made a transfer in the summer because of funds. So it's not like they they they're flush with cash. I'm sure they'd rather have some money through selling him. So I think that is one that we we could see happen. So it wouldn't surprise me that for us to to, to sign two players, um, I'd be very surprised if we don't sign anyone. Mm. Very surprised. I don't know about Nero. What do you think? No, agreed. I think um, I think Tielemans is someone I would go for. I think if we can, I'll try and strike a deal now rather than wait till he goes on a free in the summer because then you've got everyone sort of going in for him. Yeah. I think the one advantage is maybe at the start of the season, um, I don't know, Leicester were probably afraid of, you know, getting relegated, but I think they seem to be sort of mid-tably now sort of pretty safe. So, like I said, it won't be a bad, for them, perspective, uh, from their perspective, it won't be a bad time to make some money out of him now uh, compared to if they were in a you know, relegation battle, then they'd rather yeah. keep him to the end. So I think there is something there, definitely. Uh, I'll, like I said before, I'll, I'll prioritise that position because if one of if Partey gets injured, we're that's pretty much done. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So T Limit is a great backup uh, for him. Um, like I said, I'll, I'll go for a, yeah. I'll try and go for a winger. I wouldn't really want to pay seventy eight million for him. I don't think the club would do yeah. that anyway. But yeah, bring if you can bring someone in uh, bring up front in. just to cover, you know. There's a guy called, uh, he scored the two goals in the quarterfinal of the World Cup called Weghorst, you know, he might be available. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you still got his poster still on your wall. The same, same number of goals as Harry Kane, yeah? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. Man, uh, you know, it's it's, it's really the... hard for me to ever hear his name without thinking about you. <laughs> and just, uh, you know, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry for the inside joke. I don't know if anyone recalls. If anyone was a, was one of our legacy <laughs> listeners, they will remember that. You know, uh, Nero was really unhappy that we didn't do a deal um, last January for a striker, given the situation we're in. Veghorst was one of the names that he said, you know, was it Burnley assigning a player like Veghorst? Like, why can't we just go for him? Exactly. Um, he took he took Argentina into extra time and penalties, didn't he? So he did. He did. Yeah. I do want to, on that, on that point though, and I think it's actually, you know, it, it gives me a good opportunity to segue on this because I'm conscious of time and therefore, um, you know, we should probably wrap up soon. But what I did want to want to say, right, is if Aaronen was here, he would have already said it um, because he said it in the last one. But you see, the three of us, when we've been talking about January transfer plans, we, we've been, I think, fairly um, 
we've been fairly conservative in how I've been talking in terms of we've been fairly level headed in thinking that, you know, they've got a plan. We need to stick to this plan. We can't make any rash decisions like, you know, we've got probably got a budget and, you know, we need to kind of build, et cetera, et cetera. Aaron's point last time round, which was an interesting one, was basically that we've probably got a better chance of winning the league this season than we may in the next five years, regardless of how well we plan and strengthen because of the other clubs around us that will also be strengthening in the coming years. City, United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs, all of them. We don't know, Newcastle, we don't know the rate of, of, uh, of, um, funding that they might get in the rate of you know the kind of general rate of spending the general rate of improvement we don't know all those things so by being quite conservative and calculated what we're basically saying is we back our plan we back Arteta and Edu's plan that that actually will end up winning us a league title or or or, or Champions League or whatever in a certain amount of years Aaron's point was screw all that you know for a second we're top of the league now screw the plan try and win the league now so just throwing that out there, does that, what do you guys think, particularly now with Jesus' injury, do you think there's anything warranting Aaron's argument there? Nero, I'll go to you because, you know, Mize and I did sort of get to respond to that when, when he said it last time. Uh, we have to be careful, right? We don't want to do a, a Leeds, I oh, know we won't do a Leeds, but I know when Leeds went all, all out for the Champions League and got relegated, you know, we don't want to end up in their position. Um, yeah. I think, no, it's the first time I'm hearing it. So no, I completely get that like this might be our best shot in a while um so yeah it's a tough one like i said i was sort of alluding to before i don't want to be panic buying and then us dealing with you know yeah years like with pepe we pan- and again like we potentially panic buy and it's taken us four years to recover from it um i'll rather i'm happy with to be f- happy with you know what arteta and um edu's approach has been so far and it's sort of slow and steady, right? Rather than sort of going gung-ho like some other teams. Um, I think if we sort of stick to our principles um, and just what we've always done as a club, then I wouldn't really want to change it. Um, mm. It's sort of, that's, that's how our DNA is, isn't it? So we won't be, we won't be Arsenal, would it, if we start splashing out hundreds of millions on players just to go for the league. Well, I don't think we've got the money. Like you say, I'm not, not really sure we could do that anyway, but like, you know, Mai's, what about you? What, what, what do you think? Get, get, you, we sort of answered it in the last episode, but that was before these injuries, um, mm. this injury singular. Um, top of the league now, um, five points clear at the top of the league. <laughs> none of us thought in a million years, a million years, none of us thought that was going to happen. Um, and and now, like you know, the the um, our main striker is injured. Do you do you, are you sympathetic towards the Aaron and Root? I think I am a bit more now. So. Um, like as a fan, yeah, we've been burned in the past by big contracts, uh, big you know, big money for players like Pepe. But as a fan, right, ultimately we support the team because we want them to be successful. We want the club to be successful. Um, we want to see us win trophies and get to finals and finish as high up in the Premier League as we possibly can. So for me, just purely as a fan, I couldn't really care less like how much we spent. Yeah, okay, there's the you know, the financial stability of the club, but you just kind of have to assume that the people that, yeah. yeah, the people that are supposed to be competent in their jobs to make sure we don't like 
drop down you know get relegated or you know go um go bust or whatever those people are doing that do their jobs and, and and they're competent at that so from from a fan perspective if it if it's a case of Murdoch's on the table Tillemans on the table x y and z players are on the table and we can go and get them and it means that we challenge for the league then absolutely i think we should we should go for it i mean i i didn't agree with aaron and or not so much i didn't agree with aaron i didn't see the vision that aaron had at the start of the season when he sort of said let's see how we do and if we do pretty well and we win the first few games who knows and i was we were all just a bit like nah that's not happening mate we 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 finished fifth last <laughs> season we're not jump you know and and in hindsight you know or not in not so much in hindsight but retrospectively he he was right you know he was right because other teams haven't kind of stepped up to the plate and we've set the bar and we've been the most consistent team and that's fantastic to see whether we can, like, I'm not necessarily sure even, like, is it, a, is the salute, like, is the, to, in order to maintain the form that we've shown, I don't necessarily think it's it's as simple as just signing players. So that would obviously help. That will obviously help, right? But you can't go and sign another Gabriel Jesus. So you, and, and as you guys just said, right, we don't have a hundred million to, th- I don't know. I've no idea how much we have to spend in January, but I wouldn't think that we've got, you know, the capacity to go and spend, you know, big on like two or three 50 million pound players, basically. So we're going to have to potentially be quite shrewd. Like I said before, maybe a loan deal if it's to kind of fill that striker um, like hole in the squad, depending on how bad the Hazus injury is. But if there's deals that we are planning for and kind of earmarking for the summer or maybe even next summer, as in like 18 months away, can we accelerate some of those deals? Because I'm sure the club, they must be planning, right? They must be planning for future um and if there's some deals that we can maybe accelerate and bring forward then why not why not right because yeah i mean look if, if you're asking me can i you know uh, you know with, with aaron's point previously there there is a chance that we can win the league this season there is a chance it might be a very small chance but there is a chance and i think we should if there's anything that we could do to try and maximize that opportunity we should try and do it and if if it even if we still fall short falling short probably means second third or fourth so that's still a, that's still a bloody good achievement for the, for this for this team and for this for Arteta basically, and um, then we could go from there. I don't necessarily agree with his point that um, I don't necessarily agree with his point that um, the uh, you know this is the best chance in the next five years uh, because you just don't know what's going to happen. You just have no idea what's going to happen. Man United could get bought out, Liverpool could get bought out, and who knows what happens with the the future of their clubs. So mm. yeah. It's an interesting risk, debate. Uh, uh, sorry, my point is sorry. Would you, would you though risk sort of derailing what plans that we do have in place for the next five years? Because obviously, you know, from Arsenal fan perspective, we have yeah. been sort of patient this long anyway. So what's the next row in a couple of so years? I, I, is, I personally yeah. wouldn't. I personally mm-hmm. wouldn't. And uh, I, although I think Aaron's um, plan is a very good devil's advocate type, you mm-hmm. know, scenario to throw out there because he would, he would, um, you know, contest Miser's point that Miser just said there before. He would contest Miser's point by saying, yeah, you're right. We don't know what's going to happen in the next five years, but we do know that we're top of the league at the moment, right? Like that's what he would probably say back to that, I imagine. I, I think if there's something that I think that I would like to see us do, given we are top of the league, given there is opportunity, I would like us to just maybe accelerate things that we already think that we were going to do, if it's possible. So if it is a case where we thought, okay, do you know what? Over the next two windows, we're going to get, I don't know these four players or whatever. Let's just let's just say if that was the case. Well, if it's possible to get any number of those four players like now in January, I would do it. It probably isn't possible of getting them all anyway, 
But I think that I would try and aggressively do that because one, but you know, the numbers will help, and two, you are going to get to go get them anyway, and so ultimately it will help the challenge that we're, you know, this unlikely title challenge that we're on. So, yeah, look, I, I, I don't know what that means. Realistically, you know, I think the talk is that we are planning of, you know, to, to have a Partey successor over the next kind of summer or so. Maybe the next summer is. The, the the summer that we, we go for another big central midfielder. I'm not saying that type of player will be available in January anyway, but, you know, I, I don't want to, 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 to kind of, just, I guess, go back to the crux of your point. I don't want us to do anything that we wouldn't have done otherwise. So I don't want us to be in, like have a problem that we need to sort out later, right? Someone else on wages that, you know, we just need to get rid of. We've just done such an amazing job of getting rid of all that noise all those players on that kind of, you know, longer, expensive contract. We've done such a great job to get that off. So it's, you know, maybe we should just keep it keep it as it is and, and not get too greedy right now. Hey, like, I hope we don't come to regret it. Um, listen, guys, any closing comments? We've had, a, I think it's been a brilliant chat. It just shows, it goes to show that, you know, we've missed talking about Arsenal all this time. We're in about one hour, 12 minutes so far. But are there any closing comments from any of you? Nero, go to you first. Uh, I'm just just that you know obviously I'm just sort of excited for the sort of the season to restart again. Um, Boxing Day, Boxing Day, yes, can't can't believe it's already here. Train so, strikes, no. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the one after that? Was it Newcastle? Isn't it Tuesday? So yeah, the next yeah. home game after that is, is Newcastle. We've got Brighton, so, I think, uh, away team, before so. that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just yeah. Sometimes. Obviously, yeah. England uh, World Cup was good distraction anyway, uh, but yeah, sort of nothing like the league for me and nothing like Arsenal. So can't wait. Can't yeah, mate. Yeah, um, I completely agree. Like, looking forward to it's. It's such a weird. It's just still really weird. Like, I'm still in World Cup mode. Only one game left or two games left, but one. You know, the final left, um, and then we're just straight. Like I said, straight back into it, and it's over Christmas as well. So it's just like a mental period in it for for everyone. Um, but yeah, similar to Nero, very much buzzing to see. I'm just very interested to see now. Like with this break do we just carry on where we left off or are there going to be, you know, obviously Hazus injury is one, but are there going to be some like hiccups or, you know, it's just going to be really interesting to see how not just us, but every team starts that, you know, comes back after Christmas um, and how their kind of Christmas new year form ends up being. Um, So yeah, it's just going to be a really, really interesting kind of second half of the season. And um, yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed we can do something. Yeah, I agree. You, you, you hope like one of the things Arteta said um, on his post match from the AC Milan game. I thought I really, I really loved the tone that he was talking. He, ba- he basically kind of said, "I think the question was aimed. Uh, the crux of the question was basically saying, you know, it's really disruptive, isn't it? This kind of World Cup break in the middle of the season." And I think why he sort of said words effective because no, do you know what? Like even in the summer, we get players who come back at different points, and we have to manage their fitness differently, and we have to manage. You know, it's just it's just how it is. It's fine. And I love the fact that he just didn't seem panicked about it. And he's really like, no, no, this it's fine. I'm in control of the situation. We've got a plan. We've got a plan for everyone. And, you know, I'm good. I really love that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and I'm very, very excited for Boxing Day. So look, boys, thank you so much. Maybe we'll record next week. I know we haven't decided. I know it's like a busy week for everyone because it's just that, you know, the week leading up to Christmas. Um, but we will have played another friendly, as you rightly pointed out, Nero. We will be we will be playing Juventus, I think, this weekend um, at the Emirates. So, um, you know, we we um, we might have 
it might might if we if we can and if we can record then maybe we we reflect on these few friendlies that we've been uh, playing against some some big big clubs um uh, over the last you know couple of weeks during the world cup and uh, and really predict how we think that we're going to shape up for for boxing day but um thank you very thank you very much boys it was really good to see you guys shame Aaron and can join us he's in india somewhere i think traveling um, yeah. or just kind of uh you know repenting for his sins in life um somewhere <laughs> spiritual i'm sure uh, uh, but um cool brilliant last one good night boys thank you everyone for joining cheers. us everyone who joined live cheers shani for the comment and um uh we will see you all soon take care cheers raj cheers boys cheers, cheers. bye